0: Please.
1: I'm joined again by the one and only Wardell Potts. We had some unfinished business when we last convened, and so we're hoping to uh, knock that out this time. Welcome back. Thank you. Nice to be back. We want to talk and do justice to some of the other artists that you worked with, uh, Wardell. So one thing I want to ask you at the top was, you know, you've done so many things, and we talked extensively about your drumming, you know, and your musicianship, and some of your production, and but you've also done a lot of writing. Is there one part of that that gives you more fulfillment than another?
0: Um, that's a good question because when I play drums, it's so pleasing. That's how I even got started in you know, music period. And so it is something that pleases me that way. Um, I started writing because all the people that I was playing drums for on the records or with, um, some of them were writing. And so, you know, a few weeks, I mean, a few months later or so, we would get checks. And I would go buy me a brand new 10-speed because I was an athlete, right? And then buy some other things, this and that. These guys were buying brand new Mercedes and stuff. i go, hi, how did you do that? What's going on? We're doing the same thing. And the difference was they were writing the songs that I was playing on. And I was like, really? Is that much money in writing? And so that's I started writing. And, you know, I was like, that's... Got to be my motivation. <laughs> I had to have something motivate me, and so writing was something that I thought was the the natural progression anyway. And so I started writing, and uh, after writing, I started producing. But you know, the one thing about writing is that the songs have been like my babies. And so you know, as writers, we they're those are our little creations, and those songs are. Very, we're very protective over them and um and so and when we see when we get them placed we're proud you know um we're proud of somebody like our song something that we created and um and then when you hear it you still the same thing so there's different levels of appreciation uh you know and it's the production part it's just i never ever feel that felt that I was, I did a really good job because I'm under the wing of Leon. I grew up under, you know, he's the one that taught me. And I mean, I can never, I mean, he's just so good that so for me, it's like, I can never get to, you know, he's only gonna teach you so much, right? (laughs) The teacher is not gonna teach you all his tricks, but there's some things that naturally that Leon Silvers had as a producer that I never had, and those skills are just—you know—I I, I admire them and I love them, and I, and I, you know, and so still to this day, Dynasty, my group, is uh, about to have Leon work on some stuff uh, for our new record because we know that he's the guy.
1: He's going to bring that special
0: magic. Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So.
1: Um, so. wh- what what is your your process for for writing though you know do you often start on drums since that's where you come from or do you start on another instrument or start with lyrics or what's your process
0: for writing I start normally with just you know hitting the piano and I don't and you know that's the normal way that I normally start but sometimes I will just hear a melody in my head. And I'll start singing it, da-da-da-da-da-da, da da-da-da-da, And then I run to a piano and try to play underneath it and try to figure out what am I singing in. And try to bring it all together and try to create a song from it. Um, so there's different different approaches to writing. Uh, but m- the way that I normally write is, I you know, if I just say, you know, I need to write a song. If I'm saying that from scratch, I'll go to the piano and start playing it. You know, drums, that's just an element, but as a writing, I need to have the foundation of what this song is. And so it starts from the piano, the foundation of music.
1: And do these ideas generally just kind of flow into you or do you sometimes press to come up with something?
0: Sometimes I'm dreaming and I'll have a song in my dream and I have to pull it out song because I know sometimes when I'm dreaming and I go oh I like this song and and so when I really start liking this song I, I know that I'm in this dark space this place I, and I gotta I gotta figure out how to get out of this dream and bring this song with me I gotta wake up it's, a, it's, it's really weird it's because it's happened whoa way too many times. And sometimes I would just—I remember those times when I would like the song, but I didn't think about that I was in a dream, and and then when I woke up, I, the song wasn't there, and I go, "Oh man!" And so when I, so when you know, most of the time now when I dream, I go, I can tell, I know, and I gotta I gotta bring this home. I gotta bring it home, and I, and I'll struggle until I. Make myself wake up, and then I get. I'll take it, and I'll get up, and I will run right into the studio, and I start hitting, you know, playing stuff to try to get that, you know, the melody down. And I and I can sing the melody. The last thing I want to hear is my wife talk to me. I no one don't talk to me. I can't because I'll lose it. So that's that's uh, my answer
1: how do you generally decide on what tempo it's ultimately going to take
0: um that's the feeling part you know so after i get the the, 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 the writing the, the the idea of the chord structure you know and the melody stuff it it starts to it starts to make its way as you go on and then you start you know just it as you go so you could feel like if it needs to be a little faster or if you want it to slow or down you know or if it's just right you know you, you. but normally whatever the tempo is that I'm hearing I read because you hear the tempo in your head when you, you're singing it and so you pro, I just program the, you know the beats per measure to what I'm what my thought is right then and then sometimes later I will change it or not
1: hmm. well it worked quite a bit for you which is to the benefit of us all uh, as music lovers and you know i find it interesting that while you were still at solar you were allowed to kind of reach out and work with other acts that weren't on solar so you know like you had mentioned i think that while you were still there you worked some with janet jackson and some others right um how did that get enabled you know and and was that something that dick griffey was fine with and
0: Well, it really, I wasn't signed to Solar. I was signed as a writer, a creator. I was signed to Leon's company, Silver Spoon Productions. Leon's company worked for Solar. So, and this is as writers and producers. So we were able to do whatever else Silver Spoon Productions was doing. So the the, the, the agreement between Leon and Dick had to be that, whatever, you know, because, you know, once we started this thing with Solar and the records were going like crazy, up the charts like crazy, um, other companies were calling, and Leon had to then create a, a company for them to come to. And so, and that was Silver Spoon and Silver Spoon Productions, and we saw we're producers and writers at that point. All
1: right. Well, that sounds like it was a pretty heads up on Leon's part. So he's got some business savvy as well as the production and all the other talents.
0: Yeah. Yes. It's um, you know, I mean, it's the it's it's uh. I think it has a, when it comes, it's just you just got to, you know, like, if a ball is coming, you got to put the glove right where you can catch it, you know, and so Leon saw it coming, and, you know, the people were coming, you know, they wanted what we had, and we had to be prepared for it, and and he was ready, you know, and made that catch.
1: Willie Mays, like,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we did Willie Houston as well, and um, you know, there was a lot when she uh, she auditioned for us. Well, it wasn't literally for us. She was auditioning for Clive Davis, and we were invited to the audition in a little in a little tiny club in Hollywood. And and uh, her cousin was there. Dionne Warwick was there. I had a crush on Dionne Warwick. You know, like that's a, she was a big, tiny star right there, all my life. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love this woman's voice. I was just so crazy about her. And so when, so we're there, my attention was the whole time on Dionne way And Whitney was just a young little girl, got up and, and she sang and she really did really good. She did a great job. I mean, you know, and uh, and so I was just, but I was stuck on Dionne the whole time. So, But, um, yeah, so we've met with so many different artists. we worked with so many different artists. Did
1: did you get to speak with Dion?
0: Yes. Got a kiss. kiss. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes, on the cheek, on the cheek. I kissed on the (laughs) cheek. Uh, But, you know, um, it was was just a lot of artists that started coming through. And and we just had a a really good time. We unfortunately didn't get a chance to work with... uh, um, Marvin Gaye, who we were supposed to work with, he, but because of, you know, the things that he was getting involved in, it, you know, we were in the studio waiting, but he he was too busy to actually do his part. Wow. And so I turned it into negative. It was just that, for me, it was a positive, just to be able to have the the chance to work with him, and it just was that close, but, you know... Something
1: got in the way. And yeah. We lost. We lost. So. Hmm. But you still worked with some great talents. Um, you know, one I want to um, mention is uh, Evelyn Champagne King, who was on this show recently. And um, you guys did uh, that record that had Shakedown, which is uh, an all time favorite funk jam of mine from, you know, that sort of, you know, if you, Solar formula you know and leon's touch um what do you remember about those sessions
0: well you know i want to tell you another story but you know let, let me you know those sessions were great we were out in the valley and you know we were starting to really feel we're special like you know like wow you know guys this thing is blowing up and you know, now we even got Evelyn Champagne King, I mean, and we were working with Glenn Jones at the same time. And it was just a lot of stuff going on. A lot of artists were working with the spinners. And a lot of people were coming in the studio. In this one studio, we had this one studio and recording all the time. I actually had sleeping bag there. Never, was going, wasn't going, was going home because we were around the clock writing and producing, writing, producing, writing, producing. And so it was a, that was a great, great thing. But the story that I wanna share with you in regards to Evelyn Champagne King is this, my father in 1988 passed away. And so I somehow, Kashif and I were on the phone and um, and Kashif knew that I was coming to Philadelphia. And so he said, can you stop by here first before you get go to your dad's funeral? And I said, sure. And so I, you know, I got on a plane and went out there to to take my family there to New York, and they stayed in a hotel, and I went over to Kashif's um, uh, uh, apartment, beautiful, beautiful apartment. Whoa! And um, and uh, and we were just talking, and he said, "Lordy, I just wanted to share with you that you know, you know, I I really admired you guys. I've been checking you guys the solar stuff out for years. We were on the road together." He was. Behind, he was playing. He was the musical director, I think, for um, who was that? Stephanie Mills, so, and and we were doing a show with her, Shalimar. I was playing drums and this stuff with Shalimar too, and um, and uh, that's when I met him. But uh, he said that you know I've been admiring you guys for a long time, and I just want to tell you I I have something for you. And I was like, what's up? What's up? So he gave me. Uh, envelope and I opened it up it was a check for $5,000 and I go, whoa, what's that for? And he says, well I just want you to know that I've been, I took your drums off of your, off, and the beat goes on um, That uh, with my Sinclair ear and I've been building all my songs with your drum beat and so I feel like I owe you something. I was like, Whoa, that's pretty cool. It was like weird because people weren't talking about sampling back then, right? And so, but the Sinclair Vieira would record it into its machine. And it was like a, the, you know, very expensive $25,000 keyboard, right? And so, um, and so I was just like, okay, cool. And he says, I did the stuff I did, like uh, Love Come Down for Evelyn Champagne King. That's your drum beat in there. And I put my stick around it. But that's your drum. I was like, whoa. And so I, I just, you know, that right there for me was just like, it was such a, um, a, a happy time for me. I, I just appreciated him. He made me feel good even though I was going through a dark time in my personal life losing my dad, you know. And so I told him, thank you. I appreciated it. And then uh, the check was written to a bank way up north somewhere, <laughs> I know, way up there. And so my, my wife and I, we just got on the train and went way up, and like up in Maine, up there. And went up there, and I stayed up there, and I spent the money and bought my wife stuff, and just had a good time. And, and so he just made it fun, a fun, that was a very nice thing for him to do. And I appreciate his integrity on that
1: as well wow so you already were part of evelyn king's sound before you guys even went in and did her record
0: yeah before i even knew it right yes so what a blessing what a blessing
1: yeah wow yes the um shakedown track though always reminded me a little bit in its feel of like uh, dmsr by prince you know that kind of like
0: vibe Mm. you know yeah and that's a Leon's production, Leon Silvers. I mean, he, you know, that was something that he made happen, period.
1: And you also, you mentioned so many greats, but also you worked with Gladys Knight, right?
0: Yes, yes, Gladys Knight was fun. Um, as a matter of fact, I wrote a song on her on that album uh, called Do You Wanna Have Some Fun um, uh, with Ricky Freeze And, and uh, yeah, we had a really good time. Um, now, this is the thing with Gladys Knight, um, we did all the music in LA, and, but the actual vocals were done in Vegas, where she lived, and so um, Leon went to do that with her out in Vegas. And um, it was a very interesting thing because what we found out was is that she was a one-take wonder. Like she just go in the studio, sing that song down one time, and she's okay. Next up, it was like, it's a, That don't happen often, right? People were like, okay, we got it. You know, we're in the studio, five, six, seven different runs, and we still don't have what we want from the art. You know, from the artist. But she was such a perfectionist and so good that you know she studied, and so she came. When she came in, she was ready. And so sometimes you just do a second take just just to you do it again. Can <laughs> she do that again? And it's just like, yeah, she's wonderful. So, wow. yeah, that was a beautiful project.
1: Yeah, she's one of my all-time favorite singers. I think to some extent she doesn't get quite as much recognition as, you know, your Aretha's and your Shakas and, you know, some of them, mainly because she was with the Pips, you know, all the time. I don't know, but I think...
0: Well, the, the the difference is that that so the Shockers and Arethas were you know they were both, the vocal gymnastics was everywhere, right? So they were just they were all over the place, and the people could recognize that. But the producers, the record company execs, and people knew about this lady in the studio because they worked with her, and her professionalism was so powerful. And the way that she studied and got ready, it was just well known with all the producers, and so it's like more of a behind the scenes kind of recognition, but in terms of her as an artist, everybody loved her. you know that she's just a legacy artist that was just well loved mm-hmm. but you know when you get vocal gymnastics all the place like Luther and all those kind, people will talk about that a little bit more,
1: yeah, a little more flash, um
0: yeah exactly,
1: yeah. You also worked with um you mentioned the spinners um wanted to uh brothers Johnson what was your uh situation with them
0: Um that was that was really fun um I kind of you know knew them we hung out with them um not a lot but you know there were like moments of before we worked with them that we were here. For. And we see each other in the studios, or they would, uh, they live not too far from Kevin Spencer, and so uh, we would see them and hang out and talk and stuff. Um, but um, but I have always admired them from afar because they were doing hits when I was back in Philadelphia, still, still, you know, a kid, and they were like doing hits. So um, for me, they were always like very special. But, you know, just, um, you know, really it was just a wonderful opportunity to have been blessed with i guess to work with them i really enjoyed doing the music with i wrote a song for them and that was fun and and um and it's really funky
1: you keep me coming back you keep me coming back we need everyone to know that track um yeah
0: yeah you keep me man the way he's playing that bass though it's just so crazy so uh, Ricky Freeze and I, again, um, got that one, and that was fun.
1: Yeah, for I mean, I think it was one of their best uh, post-Quincy tracks, right? Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. yeah. I think yeah. it really helped rekindle some of that magic that they had shown so much with Quincy.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed them. Um, I hope uh, George is still out there performing
1: yeah i'm actually uh trying to get him on the show hopefully it'll come to fruition
0: oh it will he loves talking about this stuff. and he's uh, been with me a couple of times
1: i remember uh kevin saying he was friends with lewis
0: yes yeah yeah they were yeah. Uh,
1: That's right. quite a guy to show you how to play some bass <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'll say yeah <Man. laughs>
1: Um, we talked about Jets you worked with, but you also worked with Five Star, another young group, right?
0: Right. So the thing, the difference is that I produced the Jets and, you know, got the opportunity to know them. Um, and with um, Five Star, they were in in the UK. And so it's just they recorded one of my songs, the, a song that I wrote. So that's... Um, that that's the difference so i i I really wish i did did you know that hands-on kind of relationship with them but unfortunately i didn't but i do have over here the star right there between the lines of platinum from their the album that they uh had my song on
1: i was kind of wondering what
0: happened to them you know they were
1: they hit it so big and then i just stopped hearing about them
0: i I, it's it's it's, uh, one of those things that happens in this business all the time. Yeah.
1: Especially with those uh, 80s and, and very early 90s acts.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, you notice that the, the, the higher up, the number it gets, the, the, the less uh, the, of the length of the career. Because they started getting into, as opposed to building careers, you were just getting to give me a good single. <laughs> and so the albums, you know, careers were lasting a long time because you had lots of songs on the album and now you're down to a single. Once your single is dead, your career is kind of dead. That's what's been, that's what it seems like is happening. And it's just kind of ugly. So you don't build careers anymore. You just got a couple of hit songs and then you're gone. And that's sad because I just was with, the whispers and they're like almost 50 years their career is just crazy yeah
1: yeah yeah i hope somehow some of that comes back at some point yes um also on here i see that you uh wrote something for Taika nelson did you get to meet or interact with her at all
0: so I can't remember, but I do, do. Do you? Can you tell me what the name of the song is?
1: Be good to me.
0: Oh yeah. So that song I wrote it when I was at A and M Records. Uh, it's under Almo Irving. Brenda Andrews was the uh, the, uh, the my boss, and uh, so she is possibly the one that got the song to Tycho Nelson and they produced it. I didn't produce it, so but you know so there's a thing I have songs but I didn't produce all of them. Like Regina Bell's first hit was my song. I didn't get to produce it. it. Is Show Me the Way. I wish I produced it, but um, I did produce it in Vegas with someone else. And but the, the there was a problem with that lady, and so we ended up sent Brenda Andrews sent it to Philadelphia, my home sent it to philadelphia and uh, they wanted it for regina bell and it became was their first single and their first number one hit
1: yeah it makes me wonder you know of course that was a great success but are there any songs that you composed that were done by somebody else that you didn't produce or have much to do with and uh, maybe they didn't do so well and you were thinking man if i could have produced that
0: well I don't. I don't want to say anything negative about anybody, but there's a song that I wrote that I was so in love with, and this is why. This the name of the song is called "Right Here and Now," and I did it, and it was it. It ended up being on the Commodores. I see that song, here, and the song goes. Just to listen to the words. Here in the dark, I feel that I could never let you go. Knowing the cost, we found a love. And now as you turn away, afraid to face the shadows in your life, I'm gonna hold you desperately and bring you over. Just give us a chance, a chance to find out what we are. Deep in my heart, I know that we can make it. But if you walk away, I'm thankful anyhow, just to have your love, girl, right here and now." Ah, man, that's that's such a beautiful lyric. That song was so beautiful. And I just, I had such giant hopes for it, but it just didn't get, you know, everything, you no matter how good you swing, if you don't hit the ball, <laughs> it's a strike. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, and I, you know, like I said, my one of my friends produced it, and um, and on them, and I was not real happy with the overall uh, with everything that happened with it.
1: So you ever think about redoing it?
0: Yes, 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 and I, I, I don't know, I, I, I just, it's gotta be the right voice, it's gotta be the right voice for it, because this is a beautiful song, but it it needs that emotion to go with those words that are so beautiful, and my friend um, Susan Pomerance wrote the lyrics,
1: mm. Did you um, did you work closely or just write for some of the younger acts like Tyler Collins
0: I see on there? Well Tyler Collins I produced her. Oh. I wrote in and, yeah and um, she um whoa, sexy, so sexy, so beautiful. she was just a so, like you know we were like always teasers that she's a black Marilyn Monroe, right she just walk in and you go. And uh, but then I had to tell the guys, hey, I just I gotta work with her, focus, (laughs) you know, stop gawking. And uh, you know, we had to get past that. But she was easy to work with in the studio, she had a beautiful tone, and um, her tone was nice, and it was really easy on the ears. And uh, just like she was easy on the eyes, the guys would say. And it was just amazing. to see. I don't, you know. And she, I believe, she was signed to RCA. I don't, I don't understand why um, her her career didn't take off. It should. I think it did it. That girl had all the. it's like she had all the everything it took to be a a big artist. And I just don't get it. Stevie Wonder, the Godfather. He worked on the same album. Hmm. You know he had about two two or three songs on the same album that i did and so i just i just i don't know but you know it was she was wonderful to work with
1: yeah i was gonna say but you kind of answered it. i was gonna ask what what happened because it seemed like she was you know on a trajectory to get up there and and you know fame and success but uh another one kind of ended up going by the wayside
0: yes yes yes
1: um latoya jackson
0: nope never had a chance to work with her
1: she's on here on your uh, thing here for heart heart don't lie no i
0: yeah, did one of my songs but i didn't work with her. okay
1: yeah um mm-hmm. is there anyone else that we haven't talked about that comes to mind
0: Well, you know, I really feel very, um, I don't know, I can't remember everything we talked about, but I do remember, you know, it was a real honor for me to be a part of uh, Will Smith's career. Yes. And, you know, Will Smith, um, um, we come from the same city. We grew up in the same city, um, and I'm a little older than him. Uh, but his career just took off like a rocket. The total opposite of some of the people we talked about. And um, to for him to um, want to use one of the songs that we did, for The Whispers and The Beat Goes On, uh, and uh, have it on his uh, record called I'm Going to Miami. He made that the foundation of his song. Uh, we were just really honored. And uh, so I have, I have, I have to see it right there, the Wilson, can you see it? Yeah, with this, uh, okay.
1: cassette tape and the CD.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's like seven times platinum.
1: Is that so. all? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know how Will does it, really? he always does it big, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, okay. All good.
1: Did did you have any other uh, major you know sampling or repurposing successes
0: that rival no, that? Not not me. I'm waiting for that to happen. Um, but for me, but as far as you know, my my songs are concerned. But Dynasty has um, Adventures in the Land of Music is get, they sample it all the time. And it's just like, whoa. I mean, it's on so many rappers are using that song. And now you got people singing the song. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I love it.
1: Were, were you cool with the sampling thing from the get-go? Or at first were you like, wait a second?
0: Uh, yeah, I was not happy at all. Not happy at all. No one was because you weren't getting your credits. They were just taking it, taking advantage of it you know, your, your, your creativity, your babies, remember, it's so our babies, and you know, just taking my baby and running with it. No, it's a violation. Um, but then, you know, the law finally caught up and started putting things in perspective. And, uh, and it's all good. now.
1: Excellent. So before we uh, wrap this up, Wardell, do you have any advice for uh, aspiring songwriters?
0: I want to tell you guys that, like when I say my songs are my babies, um, your songs are your songs. With the song comes publishing. So you have your songwriter's royalties and you have your publishing royalties, they all come from that same song. You own your writers and your publishing royalties until you give it away. No one can make you give it to them. No one can take it. All the only way they can get it is if you sign a piece of paper and say you can have it. But trust me, it is not something that you want to give away because it's something that you will pass down, if, God, if you get blessed enough that you have a hit song with it, it will pass down to you generation to generation to generation, and that will be your legacy. So hold on to your publishing, that, you know, unless someone's gonna give you a lot of money for it. But, I just know that the laws have changed that after, they they only, if you sold your publishing already, the laws have changed in 1978 and you that they, no one's allowed to keep your publishing. They get, get to keep it for 35 years, which is a long time. But it's already come back around for me. So those 35 years, you just take care of yourself. I don't know where you might be in it right now, but you have the opportunity to get that back. And you just have to send them. You can go get a copyright recovery attorney And then have them send a letter saying that, you know, you just have to give them a notice two years prior to the 35 years saying that you are going to be recovering your publishing. They might say, well, we want to keep it because we love it. You know, how much money do we want for it? If you need the money, that's there. But if you don't need the money and you just want your your publishing back because you want to let your family, your children and your children's children live off of it that's your choice
1: yeah and I'm sure you would advise also that if you're a musician cultivate that ability to compose too right
0: absolutely absolutely because they all kind of work together you know so um, for me that was just a natural thing to do after you know be playing on so many records okay it's time to grow I have to grow in this music thing and so Writing was something that I needed to do. That was the next step. And then when you become a writer, you become a publisher simultaneously So not so you're a musician then you write a publisher and then if you want to produce there you go
1: Yeah, do, is it separate do you earn separately for arrangement credits too.
0: Uh, arrangements is like a um, Pay for hire you know, they have to pay you to arrange, come in and arrange stuff from, for them. You don't really get credit for it as a, you don't get a writer's creditor. It's not a royalty thing. It's a credit on a record, arranged by this person, arranged by that person. But most of the time, people that are like, they say vocals arranged by this person, that person usually wrote it. But sometimes you will have producers that have nothing to do with a record, the writing of the song, and they will come in and produce it and arrange it. So they get credit for arranging. But they don't get royalties for arranging. Yeah. Wow. Yes.
1: Excellent. Thanks for uh the stories again and thank you for the education too at the end there. Appreciate it.
0: And Yes. Anytime, any time. My much love to you. I appreciate you very much and and uh, continue success my friend.
1: Thank you too Wardell. Take good care. Until right, next you, time. Okay. Yes, sir. All right.
0: Bye. Yes, sir. Bye-bye.